we're in the middle of this series called Fresh Start. And um, next week, Shane's going to be bringing the message and he's going to be talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, and that's going to be really worth listening to. Um, but I want to try and, and set something up before we get to there. Over the last couple of weeks, the first week I was really talking about was just getting this fresh start, getting this chance again. Whatever it is, no matter where you're at in life, whether you're like the most saved person you ever met and or you're just somebody who's, who's looking at it from the outside or you're, you're in this place of like doing grand today and tomorrow I'm doing crap and this morning I'm doing grand and this afternoon is lousy or vice versa. Um, but there's this amazing scripture in, in Corinthians that says, now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new, and the old life is gone and a new life burgeons. And it's about connection. It's about being connected with Jesus. And that's how we get that fresh start. Um, and I want to start this week just by repeating something from last week's conversation. And then I'm actually going to skip through a ton of stuff that I was going to talk about. But this is what I said last week. I said, you see, you can have a fresh start with God and still sell yourself short in life. I don't know if you remember, I was talking about human beings are the only species on the planet who in certain situations do less than we're capable of doing. You can be saved in an instant, but never fully enter into the life that God has for you. See, salvation is God reaching down and pulling us off the roof of a burning building. That's, that's actually the easy bit. You just put your hand up and say, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Thanks very much. I need saving. But then we get to choose where we go from there. What are we going to do next? He wants us to go deeper. He calls us to go deeper. He accepts us as, he accepts us as we are. He knows all the stupid things that go on in our lives. And he still loves us. That's not an issue. But he has more. He has a new life for you and for me. He has a new way for us to live, a new way for us to be, a new family for us to belong to, a role to fulfill and a destiny to be lived out. And a world for us to show up and do our part in. Salvation's an instant thing. As soon as you recognize you're on that burning roof and put your hand out to be saved, you're up, you're saved. And not because we did end, but just because we copped that we needed to be saved. But living as a child of God is a whole new ballgame. Yes, he gives us peace, and he gives us purpose, and he gives us blessings and grace and mercy and love, and anything more than that, and way beyond anything we could imagine or think or ask. But he also calls us to put him first. And he calls us to take that fresh start and to make a fresh life. Just watch this video for a second. Here's something I think God wants us to have a spectacular life. And I don't know where your life is at right now, whether you think it's spectacular or it feels spectacular. But I really believe he wants us to have a spectacular life. Maybe we're not going to be film stars and we're not going to be receiving Oscars like Angelina Jolie or working with, have millions to put into orphanages around the world. But I believe you can be spectacular wherever you are exactly where you are in whatever pathway you're walking in this life whether it's in work whether it's in a college situation in your community with your neighbors with your family that you can have and i can have a spectacular life right where we are and, and i think there's the things that um that we can do that can help us be ready to have that spectacular life and what i want to do is here's the thing I have a preaching here that would take another 35 minutes to go through. 
and I could read it out word for word. And, and, and there's points I do want to say to you. But I'm going to stop in a couple of minutes. I'm going to open this up to questions and answers. Because um, I think God wants to give us an opportunity to have a conversation rather than just hear something. So if you have something that you want to ask, you're going to have to be brave to do what I know. But um, we've done these question and answer things before, but it's always been kind of like, I kind of knew the questions before I got there. Um, so you're going to ask me something and I don't know the answer, I'll just tell you I don't know the answer. But I think God wants to meet every one of us today. And he wants to give you an opportunity to meet with him in wherever you're at. And there are things that we need to do, I believe, to get our lives to the place where they can be spectacular. And I was speaking with a man during the week, Pat Gerald is his name. And he pastors a church in town called the Apostolic Church. And he's from Finglas. And him and his brothers were in a band called the D11 Runners years ago. Um, it would have been really wanted to be a Dublin head now to know about the D11 Runners going around after them. But uh, they were fairly famous in Ireland. They were playing gigs to thousands of people. And then overnight they just flopped and they were gone. But uh, he passes a church in town. And I was speaking to him. His wife is getting ordained in a few weeks and we were talking about getting together. And uh, we cooked a meal for their wedding 16 years ago, 17 years ago. And anyways, we were talking about he, he operates a charity out of his church that works in India. And they do loads with kids in India, and they're building an orphanage in India. And we were talking about the stuff he's doing in India. And then we were talking about the stuff that we're doing in Belarus, and the connections that God has given us even here with different people for to, to see things happen. And, and, and it was like, did you ever think that two mad ages from Crumlin and Finglas were going to be working in places and organizing hundreds of people over a period of time and handling hundreds of thousands of euros worth of investment in places that are thousands of miles away. And we were both brought up in areas that would have told us we were never going to get anywhere. We were never going to do anything. But God made a difference. Jesus made a difference. Because I know in my life, if I hadn't met God and made that choice and then followed through on stuff, then my life now would be very different to what it is now. And Pat's life would as well. His whole family were in, heading into crime. And he'll tell you that himself. The band saved him to an extent, but it was God that kept him out of it. Um, but if God can take two ordinary Egypts, as we were saying, and do something that extraordinary, because that's not normal. And I'm, I'm, I'm not blowing any trumpets from yourself here, but what we do isn't normal. I don't know anyone else from my roads who's doing anything except taking care of themselves and their own family, if they're even doing that. But God can make that much of a difference. But you know, the other thing we were saying was, it didn't happen overnight. All of that took the last whatever number of years of consistently trying to walk in a relationship with Jesus. To get opened up enough inside to let him in to do that. And there were six points, and I've said a few of them already over the last couple of weeks. One of them was reading the Bible. I don't know how many times, I'm going to sit in this because my ankle is hurting me. Um, I don't know how many times I have heard people say, life doesn't come with an instruction booklet. 
I work in the area of mental health continuously here, over and over and over again. Life doesn't come with an instruction booklet. It does. It's called the Bible. God gave us a book. He tells us how to live. He tells us how to have a successful life. The trouble is, most of the stuff we read in it, we don't like. There's bits. like It's like if you go to an a la carte menu, I like getting the steak and I don't like getting the fish. And I definitely don't like the prawns because they're wiggly looking things. I don't really like that. Sometimes looking at the Bible can be a little bit like that. Oh, I like this bit. There's a blessing. I like that bit. Yeah, she's going to love me. All right. Now, be honest, Brian. I'm not sure about that. Hold on. This prayer, this conversation, this just having a connection with somebody takes communication. We can get um, kind of stroppy with each other quite regularly. Do you know when that always happens? And we get too busy to sit down and talk. When we stop communicating. And it's the same with God. If we stop communicating with him, the relationship breaks down. Um, and we use this word prayer, which has this weird, holy thing about it that we think we have to... Do you ever hear someone praying and they put a telephone voice on? They're chatting away to you and then they go, Oh God, Lord Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Please, today, would you... But they're talking to you like, how's it going? What's happening? How are you doing? It's like, what is the story? God just wants to have a chat with you. The exact way you are. We talked about um, fasting. What was the other thing? I've forgotten something. But, you know, my brain. I've loads of scriptures. If anyone would like this, it's a really good preaching. I'll email it to you. It's worth reading. Just give me, give me your email and I'll send it on to you. Word for word, praying. Worship. Most people think worship is about singing songs because we have a worship time at the beginning of the service and then we have our service. Worship is an attitude of heart. It's about knowing where I am in the, in the realm of things and it's about putting God first. And when I combine worship with prayer and with reading the Bible and then with things like fasting, I learn how God is the center of the universe and not me. And maybe most of you don't suffer with this, but I have a thing called self-centeredness. Okay? And I know how I test it. When I look at a group photograph, the first person I always see is me. You probably see all the people you just love first, but I usually see me. And then I usually go, I don't like that picture because I look fat, small, whatever it is in it. Right? But I'm not supposed to be the center of the universe. God is. I'm supposed to be the center of my universe. And, and when I put him in that place of worship, and even when we do worship, and even when we are doing the songs and all that kind of stuff, like the scripture talks about doing it with, with, with clapping and shouting and singing and dancing and lifting our hands. Excuse me, and lifting our voices. All the scripture references there for it. And I think, we do that for Man United or Dublin any day of the week and nobody thinks twice about it. You just think of what happens at a football match. It's worship. Every bit of it. But then we walk into a room like this and people are going, oh, I love you, Jesus. And everyone's going, nutcases. Look at them. We do it for a football team. I mean, seriously, if I can do that for a football team, can I not do it for the person who actually made me? And not only made me, but then fixed me after I broke it. And then the other two points I had for this week. 
were two really, really popular ones. One is about money. It's about giving. I said last week, fasting is the second most popular thing to talk about in church. If you want people to leave, money is the first one. Okay, no one likes talking about money because they all think that we're after your money. I used to think that when we were in St. Mark's, they're only after me money. Actually, I didn't. In all fairness, I didn't really think that. Most of the people I knew who heard we were going to a church told us they were only after our money. And our favorite phrase used to be, if they could find any, they could have some because we hadn't got a be in. We were smashed. But we learned even in that smashed day that money had a hold over us that it wasn't supposed to have. And the way to break that hold was to give the money away. And the scripture teaches about tithing and about giving 10%, minimum 10%, not 10%, but the minimum of 10%, to usually to your local church, but many people give it to other places too. Um, and how what that does is it frees me and it frees the power that money has over me. And it also releases me into God's blessings because it's the one thing in Scripture where God says, if you do this, I will pour out a blessing. Guaranteed. It's not, it's, not, um, it's not an if, maybe, but. It's like, if you do that, I will do this. You bring your tithe in, I will pour out a blessing. So great you can't contain it. I want to tell you something. We started doing this 26, 27 years ago when we really didn't... We were renting that house across the road for £50 a week. It was before the Euros. And I was bringing home £111 a week. I was driving a van for a living. And that was when God put his finger on us and said, you need to start tithing. And we had two kids. And we fought and struggled with it for a long time. Actually, I struggled with whether I should pay it on the gross or the net because there was two quid in the difference. It was like I was paid 130 and I was taking home 110 111 but we did, and we started. And I want to say we have never wanted for anything. Never once. I have seen 90% of my money go a 1,000 times further than I could ever get 100% to go. It's like I had a hole in my pocket when I kept all my money. But as soon as I started giving, I just seemed to have more. That's for somebody. I want to say this. I'm not after your money. Hope has done very well. God takes care of us. This is not about us trying to get anybody's money. But this is about you getting into the place where you can receive the blessings of God. Financial freedom is something most people in Ireland I know want. And we all think if we win the lotto, we'll get it. This week, I have read more stories, because I purposely looked for them, of people whose lives were destroyed by winning lots of money. Destroyed. There's two ways to have financial freedom in God's plan. One is tithing and giving and being generous. And the other way is to be responsible with the money that we've got. Try and get ourselves out of debt. Know where your money is going and know what you're doing with And don't live beyond your means. If you put them two things together, I promise you, you will have financial freedom. And the last topic that I had was about serving. About volunteering. When we're focused on others and serving others, we get a freedom. Jesus spent his whole life on earth focused on other people. 
If you, if you read the scriptures, you will find all of his ministry times focused on saving other people. He literally said in one place, I didn't come here to be saved, I came to serve. Now, there's two things I want to point out about, about that. One is, Jesus said he was the exact representation of his Father in heaven. That tells me I follow a God who saves. A God who creates the whole universe, who can like wipe us out in the blink of an eye, and his heart is to save. And the second thing about it was, Jesus told us to be the same as him, to follow him and be like him. And if that's the case, then we're called to save. Now, whether you serve in a place like this or you serve in something else, but there is something about our place in this world. Every one of us have been given gifts, talents, skills, name or whatever your skills you can learn, but gifts and talents are in all of us. But we were given them for others. We weren't given them for us. Can you all agree Trisha has a talent for singing? If she's stuck in the shower and just did that just for her, how many of us would not be blessed? So does that make sense? If, if we have talents, and as you give, you get, you get better at it, and you, it increases. The more we can give, the more we can serve, the greater our capacity to have God flow through us. And, and when I tell you something, when a river flows through a dry land, we were in Egypt many years ago, and um, the Nile flows through the desert, literally. And for about maybe five to ten miles on either side of that river, there's life. There's green. You can see it as you drive. Because it's like someone drew a line. It's like going off the way here onto the brown floor. It's like, that's where the river stops. That's where the desert is. That river is flowing through, but as it flows through, everything it touches gets life from it. As God flows through us, everything he touches gives us life. So the more money we let flow through our hands, the more money we have to use. The more we serve, the more we give, the more capacity we have to be blessed in that given. I have made some of the best friendships I have in life by serving alongside other people. I've met some of the most amazing people. We had a conversation last night with a lady who helps on the soup run who doesn't even come to this church who said that it's one of the best things she has ever done in her life because she has met some of the most amazing people she's ever met by serving. There is a blessing in these things for all of us. But it is about us stepping into it. I really believe God wants you and me to have a spectacular life. But it's like, do you want it? That's the question. Because it's not going to just drop out of the sky. Jay is a fitness instructor. He's really good at it too. If you're looking for a program, he's your man. He's got some new programs starting. Just look at the body on him. You know he's good. But he'll tell you, you don't get that from sitting here eating chips like I do. You want the difference? You get it from putting the effort in and going to the gym every day and doing all the bits. And you'll do exercises for your arms and exercises for your back and exercises for your legs. And here's the thing, I've, I've, I've come across this a good few times in Christianity as well. I've met loads of people who read the Bible and they read it inside out and they can quote it back to me in Hebrew and scripture and Greek and everything else, you name it. But they don't do anything else. That's all they do. And they're like somebody going to the gym who has a weight and just keeps doing that. And they have this arm that's out here somewhere and the rest of their body is a twig. 
and they're out of balance. Does that make sense? God is a holistic God. He's interested in every part of our life. Emotional, mental, physical, relational, financial. Every part of it. And he gives us things to interact with him and this world in every part of our life. So we have about 10 minutes left. If you have no questions, we'll have early coffee. If anyone has a question, I'd love to try and answer it. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. But surely to God, there's some brave person here. And if there's not, Anne has one. God, she's going to get me now. This is something she wants to ask me for ages. I wouldn't answer. Okay. We've, I've asked the church to join us from next Sunday in a 21-day fast, for any of you who, who may have missed that. Um, and that's so that we can get our hearts and ourselves ready because we have a team coming in and we're going to do a big outreach into the area. And, uh, and it's not to try and manipulate anything in the, in the stratosphere and get things to happen because we're fasting and we're putting leaflets out for us to get so that we're ready that if new people come in because of that, that we're in a better place to introduce them to God and to, and to bless them. Um, fasting is a very old discipline. It's been around, Jesus did it for 40 days. Um, there's many different kinds of fasts. You can fast from food. You can fast from um, food and water. You have to be very careful with that one because your body can only take a day or two without water and then it will start getting damaged. So that's not really good to do. Um, fasting from food is a lot easier. Um, I could probably do with doing a lot more of that. But um, you can fast from coffee. You can fast from tea. You can fast from chocolate. You can fast from television. You can fast from alcohol, cigarettes, um, the idea of fasting is not so much, and I really don't think God is so much worried about what we do. He's more worried about where our heart is in doing it. The scripture talks about if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. So if, if I'm fasting with the idea that I want to draw near to God, so whatever it is I decide to do to try and draw near to God, then he promises he will draw near to me. And what he's interested in is me wanting to draw near to him. Does that make sense? Yeah? So... On this 21-day fast, some people I know will, will give up some food. They may give up one meal a day. They may give up all their meals a day and only have one, or they may give up food altogether um, for the 21 days. It, some people are just going to give up Facebook. Not just going to, but they're going to give up Facebook. Um, some people are going to give up coffee, tea, whatever it may be. Um, it's a very personal thing, and it's what, what price you're willing to pay to go in there. Um, I've done lots of different fasts over the years. I did a 40-day fast one time, I, I, and what I did was I only had one meal a day, and I gave up coffee. I have to say, giving up the coffee was harder than giving up the food. I could survive on one meal a day, but no coffee for 40 days was a long time. I still remember the taste of the first one. And it was mucky out Nescafe powdery stuff. It wasn't even nice coffee, but it tasted so good after 40 days. Um, I've done 10-day stray fast with no eating at all. Um, I've done fast from TV, I've done fast from reading, I've done fast from all kinds of different things over the years. And I'm not saying that to go, hey, look, I'm like great. I'm not great. God gives you the grace to do that stuff. Huh? I did it because I wanted to hear from God. I did it because I wanted to get closer to God. And I knew, see, all of that stuff is the things that distract me from God. Does that make sense? I have a choice in the morning time. We got this app on our phones um, for the Bible. It's, a, it's the Alpha Bible app. It's a little B, okay? 
And it, it gives me a daily reading of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the, the Psalms or Proverbs. And it gives me a little commentary on each piece and a teaching on each piece. It takes about 15 minutes, 20 minutes to go through it. You can actually listen to it and read it at the same time. And uh, every morning I get up, I'm tempted to turn on Facebook first. True as God, I sit there and I put up, you know what I mean, you turn on your phone, there's Facebook and the Bible. Facebook and the Bible. Facebook looks nicer. Let's be honest, get a bit of gossip, see what's happening. So I have a choice. So I fast Facebook to read the Bible. It's a mini thing, but that's basically what I'm doing. So you make a choice for to. So fasting for me is to make a choice that I want God, I want more of God. It's like um, we do marriage stuff and all that, and we'll often talk to people about, you know, if, if uh, to the husbands we'd be saying to them, you know, you're at home and you're reading the paper, and the wife is talking to you, and you're going, yeah, I can hear you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know the kind of thing I'm talking about? You with me? So it's like, how far are you going to get with the lady of your dreams when you're like this? And it's a little bit like that with God, I think. And sometimes the fasting is just, I'm going to put the paper down and put my attention here instead of into everything else. The answer? Cool. Anyone else got any questions? Two, there's, a, there's two books written with the exact same name in them by two different authors, one secular and one Christian, and both of them said, feel the fear and do it anyway. I think every time I have tried to step out into something that was slightly different to the norm, the biggest fear I had is what will Anne think of me, okay? And then what will other people think of me? Generally speaking, that's the thing that stops most of us. We're worried about what someone else will think rather than what will happen to us. Sometimes it can be about financial. If God calls you to step out and give money to somebody in a charity thing or something like that, you can go, God, how will I pay the bills or what will I do then? Um, so it depends on what kind of fear you have. But yeah, so it's about other people, really. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hate that. You know, he's not going to let you go. No, no, he'll let you go to Belarus, but he won't let you go off the hook for nothing at all. There's a lot of that are practicalities that we could actually work out, okay? But the thing about not fitting in with other people, there's two big fears we have. One is a fear of failure, and the other one's a fear of rejection. In the scriptures, it's called fear of man, okay? So we fear man more than God. So God's saying, Brian, go to Belarus, and I'm going, they won't like me, they won't talk to me, I'll be on my own over there. They're all them nutter Christians, I'll be on my own. Whatever it may be, right, that's in your head. And that's fear of man. So I'm more afraid of what Anne thinks of me than I am of what God is telling me to do. Does that make sense? Who's forced in my world? Anne or God? If I'm living that way. When, when, when I came into this relationship with Jesus, it took about 
must have took five or six years where there was certain things in my life that I wasn't going to talk to Anne about. They were going to the grave with me because my whole thing was Anne was my world. It, she, was my, she was on the pedestal. She was basically my God. And God didn't like that because it was wrong. It wasn't a good way to live. So he was like, you're going to kind of have to knock her off the pedestal a little bit, Brian. She can have the second one, but she can't have the first one. Yeah? Actually, Anne didn't have a problem with that. I had a problem with that because I was scared of me bleeding wits. Does that make sense? And, and the only thing I'd say to you is, the longer I waited to make the step, the more head-wrecked I was. The step was no different. It's like, if I get down here and I do that now, or if I wait and do it in two weeks' time, it's going to be the exact same step. Does that make sense? Right? The only difference is I'm going to spend two weeks not sleeping, thinking about stepping off the bloody thing. Whereas if I just stepped off it, one thing I have learned is most times, we shot a great video here, I think two weeks ago, the guy walking through the Arctic, do you remember that one? At the beginning. And he's kind of going, most people aren't afraid of dying. They're afraid of never living. I'd rather die saying I gave it a go. And it didn't work out than I wish I had. When you read biographies of people who have died, their biggest regrets are always about stuff they didn't do. The chances they didn't take, the relationships they didn't start, the phone calls they didn't make, the forgiveness they didn't give or look for. Regret is the biggest killer. And, and here's the thing. Jesus said he came to give us freedom and give us life in abundance. I can't have an abundant life and be locked up in fear. They don't go together. Perfect love casts out fear. So if I have the love of God living in me, then that doesn't mean I'm not going to feel afraid, but that love is powerful enough to take that fear on and win. And will I still be planking it? Yeah. But I'll do it. And afterwards I'll go, yes. Instead of going, I'll stop talking about fear after this. We went to Florida, I don't know, maybe three or four years with the kids when they were smaller. And there was this roller coaster called the Hulk that I wouldn't get on because it just scared the bleeding life out of me, right? It looked as well, I'm not getting on that thing. And the kids, even Emma, she was that size. We used to be kind of putting high heels on her so she could get in because they had a high thing. And I wouldn't get on this yoke. It was just like terrifying looking. And anyway, they'd be going, come on, Dad, come on. No, 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 I'm not getting on that. So anyways... We went this year, this particular year, we had a few bob and we went again. And um, it was our last trip we were ever going to do this. We, we were never going back there again. So they were going, Dad, it's your last time. Come on. So I went, here when I was in Ireland, I went, okay, I'll get on it. Stupid thing to say, right? Anyway. So I have to say, I spent, from the time I said that, and it was out of my mouth, until I got to Florida, in the back of my head going, I'm not just saying I'm getting on that stupid roller coaster. <laughs> like, it just kept playing. No, not all the time, but it would come back. And I'm going, yeah, take it, what you say that for? All this kind of stuff, right? So anyway, here's the deal. We got to the roller coaster. The day arrived. I don't know when it was, but it was a couple of days into the holiday anyway. And the day arrived, and I was in the queue 
and I swear to God, I thought my heart was out here somewhere. I could feel it thumping. I, now, I have a heart condition, lads. I'm not supposed to be doing this kind of stuff in the best of times. So, anyways, I'm on this show, um, and I'm in the queue, and I'm planking it. And Emma and, and Kieran are breaking the heart, laughing at me. They think it's hilarious. Because right? they've been on it like a hundred times. Like, oh, you've got to love it. It's great. So, anyway, eventually, got into the seat. They locked me in. There's no going back now. And this thing took off. And by the end of that day, I had gone on it four times. It was the most amazing roller coaster I was ever on in my life. Okay? For four years, I didn't get on that because of fear. And it was the most exhilarating thing I'd ever been on. Are you with me? What I have learned is that the greater the degree of nervousness and fear, the greater the degree of excitement and the greater the degree of accomplishment. Does, does that add up? So, next time, Stewie, don't, don't let it beat you. <laughs> but, but, like, that's just a roller coaster. It's not like real life can be a lot more scary than a roller coaster. Stepping out and telling somebody the truth can be really scary because you don't know what's going to happen in a relationship. And that's where God says, trust me. Actually, some of the times I used to be arguing with God about Anne being on the pedestal, and he'd say, boy, and do this, and I'd say, if I tell her that, she's going to go. I didn't marry you in no case. I'm out here. He's like, I'm gone. And he never once said to me, no, it'll be grand. She won't. All he ever said to me was, well, do you trust me? What if she does? I'm being honest with you, that was terrifying. We were married quite a while and we had kids. And there's a, there's a scripture in the Old Testament where God makes Abraham, I think it's Abraham, isn't it? And Isaac where he makes him, he wants him to, it says he wants him to kill the child, but I don't think he ever wanted him to kill a child. God, God did not want any child ever sacrificed. He was very against that, all through scriptures. But he wanted to test Abraham's heart. He wanted to see was he forced in Abraham's heart. And he will do that with all of us. In whatever way our Isaac is, he will try and find out if we're forcing the heart. For a lot of people, that's their pain and their fear and their vulnerability that they don't want to let take a chance on. And God will only ever say to you, trust me. Trust me. There's a wonderful scripture in Romans that says, he works all things out for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Here's the deal, guys. If you love him, you are called according to his purpose. Every single one of us are called. But we have to decide whether we choose to walk in it or not. But we're all called. So no matter what happens, even if it all goes pear-shaped, if this building burns down tomorrow, so be it. It can all work out for good if I trust God in it. We have a friend. I better stop. Swipe past one. We have a friend in this church in the States got hit with a hurricane. Blew the place apart. Took the church out, literally. Nearly killed a few people. They were in the basement. Okay, they weren't having a youth club thing. and They were just, anyway, they got over their life. Sarah Taylor, she's been here a few times. Her dad's church. Hurricane came in. Or not hurricane, what do you call them things? Tornado. Twister came in. Took, took the, literally, took the thing apart. Right? In about, I think it took one and a half minutes. Took a whole building twice the size of this. Out. Gone. Right? He will tell you now it was the best thing that ever happened to his church. The best thing that ever happens. He said, and he always only just go back and quote that scripture. God works all things out for good. I have so many friends who have been through horrendous stuff who will say the same stuff. And I'll tell you, we've been through some stuff and they'll be gone. 
I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But right now I know God brought it all out and made good out of it. Anyway, sorry for going on for so long. Let's pray. And we'll finish up. If anyone does want that teaching, there's loads of good scripture references and all in it. I'll email it on to you. Um, Father, I just want to thank you for, for the opportunity to be in your presence and the opportunity just to sit and, and talk with your family, with your children. I ask you to bless each and every person here. And Lord, whatever it may be in our lives that would stop us stepping off this step and into a deeper relationship with you, whether it is about learning to read our, our Bibles a bit more or learning to pray a bit, how to worship or worshiping and having that heart attitude to worship. Lord, if it's a bit of fasting we need to do, if it's about our giving of our finances and our resources, Lord, or if it's about serving to be more like Jesus the way he served. Father, I pray that for each one of us, you would show us which part of that we could, we could um, do a little bit of work on, even this week. And Lord, we work because you've already loved us, not to earn your love. This is not, and I'm saying this in the prayer, but hear me, people, please hear me. This is not about trying to get God to love you. He loves you unconditionally, exactly the way you are. Just as a baby is born and is loved unconditionally, but a mammy still teaches her how to tie its shoelaces, still teaches her how to walk, still teaches her how to feed himself and take care of themselves. It's not because... And the child learns it not to be loved, but because he is loved or she is loved. So, Father, I pray that 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 lie would not seep into our heads that we're trying to score brownie points with you. But this is really just to improve our own lives and improve our relationship with you. Lord, let your spirit rest on every person here, I pray, this week, that they would have a great week. Lord, that we'd have loads of laugh, loads of just good times with each other, with family, with friends, with whoever. I pray a blessing over anyone who's looking for a job or who's looking for help with anything, who's feeling sick, Lord, whatever the needs may be in this room, you are the God of all provision. I pray you meet them. Lord, I bless your people in Jesus' name. May they have an amazing day. Amen. Thank you. Have a great week.